Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. All right, I have the one and only Chad with Spirit of Admetos. Hello there. Hello. How are you doing today, Jay? I'm doing fantastic. I thank you so much. Uh, I've gotten to know you a little bit through your channel. He's available. If you just search Spirit of Admetos on YouTube or Odyssey, as we both like the new crypto platform getting away from YouTube. So I would encourage you to search Spirit of Admetos on Odyssey, and you'll find him there. Uh, How would I describe uh, Chad, as we'll call him today, or Spirit of Admitos. How would I describe him? I would describe him as he self-describes himself, as a truth seeker. I think we're both truth seekers, and um, what I've witnessed from uh, Spirit of Admito- uh, from the Spirit of Admitos channel is he's not afraid to see truth even when it's counter to the narrative that he might have had at the beginning. And I think that's so important to find people out there that are genuine truth seekers that aren't narrative driven. Um, we live in a clickbait world that, you know, it almost seems like a lot of the information is driven from a point of perspective. And the whole, the whole aspect of truth seeking is not to have an endpoint of perspective, is to follow the chain of facts, follow the chain of logic to hopefully that truthful conclusion. Um, I, I've had a disappointment recently with a narrative, and it was, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, Chad, if I could start the conversation off and share, share that uh, example. I, I had a podcast loaded, yep. ready to go. Um, it, it, had, it had to do in a way with, a, with the podcast I did. I did a video and a podcast, I think. Uh, you might have saw it where I talked about the strike team, the Indeed ad for the strike team. Do you remember that one? Uh, yes, I remember that. So everybody was hyperbolically jumping up and down about this Indeed ad where uh, Washington State Department of Health was hiring for their strike team, and it was for this quarantine isolation facility, and everybody was jumping up and down. And when I actually looked into the story, it made perfect sense, and it wasn't hyperbolic. It wasn't troubling and uh, rooted at, at, at its core of evil, right? It was very simple. There are people out there that are very much believe in this pandemic narrative, and it very much w- is true from their perspective, and they are simply trying to use the government and functionaries to help people. And what these stri- what these quarantine facilities were, this one in particular, this hotel motel in Centralia, Washington, was a small 40-bed facility. It was simply meant to help travelers outside of Washington have a place to go if they came in contact with COVID, if they contracted COVID, and they needed to isolate, and they didn't have a place to go. You could see, uh, as an example I had during this episode, uh, I have an employee whose brother contracted COVID, and they and he lived in this family unit of a multi-generational family unit where he didn't want to go back home and, um, 
and uh, affect his uh, elders. So naturally, uh, this quarantine facility would have been something that he would have been able to utilize. So, you know, the hyperbolic nature of it, what I'm trying to say is, is a lot of people on the internet were using it as clickbait to push forth this narrative that that we're all going to ha- you know, be under this FEMA camp control and they're using COVID for these nefarious deeds. Whereas if you can just take a, take a 20,000 foot view of it and see that, no, it, there's a lot of metrics and things being done by our governments that are actually trying to help in some ways, and it's not necessarily nefarious. So that brings it forward to another investigation I did recently, and I was going to do a, a podcast about this. Um, uh, Spirit of Admitos, have you seen the video uh, on Twitter of the guy who goes to the Nisqually? He says, I'm in Eatonville, and he shows uh, on camera a very brief video of the Nisqually, Nisqually quarantine facility that's being constructed. Uh, no, I don't think I've seen that video. Okay, so there's and it's it's gone viral, and a lot of people uh, were jumping on it again. Um, and and what the video showed was it, it showed an actual um, rural grounds being logged, and you know I, I would say uh, just looking at it, uh, probably about a twenty acre parcel, and it's off this rural freeway in Washington State, and the sign said. Um, I'm trying to gather from memory uh, this Nisqually um, internet. Well, I tell you what, I am going to I'm going to play the uh, the video for people right now and have you watch it as well. In Eatonville, look what's going on out here. Everybody needs to see this. There's the main highway right there. Looks like we got a uh, an active COVID quarantine site going in here. So. Everything's been logged, all of that. Just wanted to uh, show you guys the main road there. Check that out. They got a gate here. There's also a gate over there by... Uh... Okay, so so there was the video. I, I showed it for everybody uh, that's watching on Odyssey. Uh, Chad was able to check that out as well. And so you could see the the gentleman is saying, you know, it's a quarantine site. They're logging it. They're getting prepared. And he encourages people to look into it. And it went viral on Twitter. Uh, Everybody was uh, using it as proof of the quarantine camps that are being built. And I was curious about it because uh, Eatonville is just a half hour away from me where I live, much like um, the strike team uh, uh, Indeed article for the isolation facility was also a half hour away from me. So I thought, you know, I'm going to drive out there. I'm going to find it myself. I'm going to investigate. Well, before I did, I did just a little bit of research. And on the Conservative Hippie podcast, we always talk about digging, just digging one layer underneath the information you're receiving. And you can usually, um, there's a wealth of information just by picking up the shovel and digging. Well, i found very quickly that uh, there was that this is a quarantine facility for the Nisqually tribe. Okay, so in the in the video, one of the things that went viral uh, from a very popular account is they said it was in Nisqually, Washington. It's actually near Eatonville, and it's on the Nisqually Indian tribal lands. And they basically cleared a site, and they've got some RVs and some cabins that they've cleared and they've prepared 
as a quarantine isolation facility, much like this facility that's in Centralia, Washington, under uh, the, the Washington um, Department of Health. It's, it's a very simple thing for, again, uh, tribal members that may, get that may get COVID that want to quarantine away from their family so that they don't spread it to their family members. Very simple, uh, easy um, scenario. Uh, and you, you said that you immediately saw some things that you didn't like from the video, Chad. What, what did you see there that you didn't like? Um, well, as far as what the video could be used to convey informationally, it's very limited because the, the, the key piece of information is the, the, wor the, the um, wording of the sign, close to the public, Nisqually active COVID quarantine site. Um, so that verbiage is being used to suggest that um, you know this is where the the involuntary quarantines can be set up but any, any kind of inference beyond just seeing the words on the, the sign is uh, inappropriate without a lot of evidence to support yeah and um, so it's just sort of it's just like it's a, it's a very limited video yeah and and so people were using they're using these limited informational videos as these hyperbolic jump off points um, I don't want to say to scare the public, to heighten the divisive kind of nature of COVID, right? We've got people people on far one one end of the spectrum that have bought into all of the mainstream spoon-fed garbage, the fear-mongering, that think it's the worst pandemic ever, let's wear a mask everywhere, all the way to the other end of the spectrum that are, that are using videos like this as jump-off points that we're all going to be taken, all the unvaccinated are going to be taken away in these rail cars to these rural quarantine camps and held prisoner right and and we are trying to as members of the public and just tr truth seekers trying to discern reality we have to we have to basically wade through all of these information packets from i don't want to say the right and the left but the the at both ends of this spectrum of information yes um and just trying to discern the motivations of posting such a video. So you have one potential motivation that the uh, uploader saw the video and thought this was a true warning of something to come. Um, so you also have the motivation of the uploader uh, viewing the video as a potential uh, clickbait material to increase their own personal profile on whatever the social media platform is. They may have saw elements of the video that could be potentially viral and decided, oh, wow, this is something that you know can really increase likes. So let me go ahead and post this. Um, third scenario is that this is a paid agent who found the video clip and decided to disseminate it in a mass way in order to fulfill the agenda of division, such as what you're saying, um, knowing that if you had to put out just certain images, um, certain audio clips, um, certain manipulated information pieces to cook the meal, the meal being um, the collective awareness and the collective consciousness concerning a controversial topic. So you add all these clips and audio postings in to try to direct uh, an, a reaction. And the reaction could be getting people to join onto a specific narrative or um, creating confusion or um, 
creating factions, various uh, potential uh, various potential conclusions uh, just from a uh, decision to post a video like that. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think you you uh, you you gave all of the options very well. I always like to I always like to think that um, these things are more organic and innocent. Um, but one hundred percent in this day and age, you are right. There are elements of the grift and the nefarious also mixed in with the organic and innocent. And I mean, that's that's what we have to wade through right now. Um, it, it's a confusing time we're living in, especially when if you look at Australia as an example of of I would say the global that's that's the extreme right now of global lockdown um, in the face of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Truth, in some ways, like like they they barely have a problem in Australia, and yet they are one of the hardest locked down uh, municipalities in the world. And so people might see what's going on in Australia in that strike team video that I did. Um, they they are actually they show actual quarantine camps that are huge for thousands of people. Um, and it's and it's troubling. It's troubling when you see Australia, but then you people are extrapolating that that fear of oh what if that happened to us and they're placing that then as reality, whereas re- it's actually not happening here. We're far from it. And I would even go to say some people say oh Jay it's a slippery slope right where where you need to get upset about these quarantine isolation facilities because because that's just a prelude of what's to come i think that's false as well i don't i think that they're more innocent and just a a structure of our organized society and well meaning in many ways these quarantine isolation facilities um not nefarious in in many ways uh, and and it's it's a struggle cuz Sometimes the the largest vitriol I get when I'm out there communicating with people in what I would say is my community, and I try to put a stop to, uh, say, hyperbolic spread of a narrative, like from this video, I will get people that get very vicious with me um, as if they're trying to defend some nefarious angle uh packet of information like like it's it's hurting their worldview it's it's very strange have you received um a vitriol in that in that respect when you when you come to a uh, a conclusion that maybe isn't that it doesn't fall in line with what with what i would say the great awakening narrative if you will uh yeah just a few times um there's one occasion where i went to a particular forum called the donald which was an offshoot of an old Reddit. Um, and on that particular forum, I spoke some controversial view concerning the election results. This is during the late December, early January timeframe. And I mentioned something about my expectations of what was to come based on, on the information we had at the time and actually got permanently banned from the, the particular forum. Wow. Uh, do you want to want what what was it that what was it that you shared? Some some something uh, that, that... It, it's it's like a, about nine months uh, into the past now. So I can't remember in all clarity, but it had something to do with my belief that the electoral um, 
college would not make a determination that the election was conducted incorrectly. I have to be careful about my words here for these social media platforms. You use certain phrases and get banned. Yeah, you're, you know what? And I, res- I respect you doing that on your channel. I don't know if you've watched some of my recent videos, but I've said forget that. On the Conservative Hippie Podcast, we speak freely. We use whatever language we want. Um, I actually had a, a video banned recently uh, from YouTube, and that's okay. That is okay. We, we have no... Uh, Chad and myself, we are not agents of any government or intelligence agency or faction. Uh, We are truth seekers, and we are going to talk about the topics at hand of the day. And so I don't want you to censor yourself. Um, But but basically, it sounds like you were trying to bring some sort of common sense um, outlook to the information that, that was coming out at that time, and you got shut down and banned just from trying to basically apply uh, some reason within the group. Uh, yes, and it was it was pretty much my first comment on the forum too. Wow, wow! I just been browsing, and it's like, okay, well, it's time for me to finally get my word in, <laughs> and that was the last word I got in. So <laughs> uh, it, ha- it happened a few times also on Twitter. This this for different minor things. It's usually, if it's a subject of manipulated media, and I call out that the media is being manipulated, uh, then occasionally I'll get some pushback on Twitter for that. Yeah. I I have yet to receive pushback from Twitter. Uh, I'm still on Twitter. I, I post freely. Um, I haven't. Uh, uh, I, I check once in a while to see if I'm shadow banned or this or that. And I, I can't tell. Uh, I haven't been able to, to prove any of that. Um, but I've been appreciative that I am still allowed on the platform. Although recently I've been looking at the account feature to delete my Twitter. I've actually thought about stepping away. I've made some conscious decisions recently not to share, uh, retweet um, packets of information. I, 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 it's almost like my own personal Twitter strike because I see what, what alarms me most lately about Twitter is I like to try to find bots. And the amount of bots on Twitter, I think that if it was known, it might actually decrease the stock value of Twitter because I think that it is mostly bots that are driving conversations. And and it's troubling when I see um, a very popular controversial post generally or not even controversial, just, you know, we'll just throw out a figure like Dan Scavino or Kaylee McInerney. Right. When they make a post, generally at the very top of the comments will be a bot that has some sort of divisive comment to say uh, in in regard to what the, the person has posted. And then you'll get hundreds of tweets, replies to that. And it's almost like the bots are there to stir the pot and get that engagement going. And I really, you know, since, since I've looked into it more, I, I, I've, I've been disturbed by how much bots are out there doing that stirring of the pot on both on both uh, political sides, uh, you know, you, you can see it all over the place. And, 
you know, in some ways, you know, maybe you've got a personal story or somebody you've seen where it, it almost seems like if somebody, like let's just say the conservative hippie, I might be able to go out and pay a bot farm to go and interact with my account and therefore drive more people towards it. It's it's kind of disgusting when you when you look at how these accounts become prominent uh, social influencers that they it may not have been you know to go back to your analysis earlier of all the different uh, options right uh, pathways you've got your organic you know then you've got your paid and it's it's troubling to see how influencers sometimes become quote unquote social media influencers. Do you have any particular story of someone in particular uh, that you've seen that that kind of had an unnatural, strange uh, ascendancy? Uh, let's see. Well, I guess we have the uh, the Facebook whistleblower. But I mean, besides her Twitter account, um, I don't really have any particular stories of strange ascendancies. Well, that's um, that's another poignant topic for that that's come up recently. Um, I, I I didn't quite understand the packet of information that she started a Twitter account, and people were saying that it was strange that she became verified so quickly. Do you want to explain what why that was strange? Uh, so yeah, from my understanding, the verification process, which is limited because I'm not verified. Uh, there were periods of time where Twitter would halt verifying accounts uh, for reasons that weren't entirely clear. Um, then there were, and those periods would end and they'll start verifying more accounts. Uh, uh, some conservatives have took to Twitter to state that they should have been verified when they weren't, and there might be a political bias in the verification. Um, I understand just uh, being newsworthy may in of itself be sufficient for verification on Twitter. In her case, uh, she had created an account in October and was verified, which seems to be a really, really fast turnaround. Um, but it was more, what's more impressive to me than verification is that I think she had like tens of thousands of followers um, in a very short period of time. Yes. Yes, people people not only found her but flocked flocked to follow. That whole scenario has been very interesting um, to see the general public I kind of respond to it because it's very strange and it's a good window into what we've been seeing. I, I often talk about the the resistance um, that was when Trump was president and that resistance was promoted and um, protected by large tech institutions and even government institutions. And I always thought, you know, how strange that is to have some sort of uh, resistance movement that's actually supported by the mainstream. Um, this is kind of another one of those scenarios where you can see time after time whistleblowers that are silenced and even persecuted by the government and tech institutions. Um, and then you see a quote-unquote whistleblower come out and be embraced by all those institutions. It's, it really gives a really good lens into what we're dealing with right now in terms of this tech oligopoly and the fascism of it blending with government institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, her, her case uh, should be able to provide a lot of contrast for people who understand 
what happens to whistleblowers. Um, many have seen the expose of Project Veritas with various whistleblowers speaking out from companies and then immediately getting canned by the company for speaking out. Um, and in her circumstance, uh, she was picked up by 60 Minutes and then just within a day was speaking before Congress. And so everything about her particular ascendancy appears somewhat contrived. Um, and it's like a contrast. And the, the, the contrast people have pointed out in numerous social media posts uh, since she appeared. Um, at, and, you know, it's through contrast that we can begin to discern the truth of the situation. Yeah. And she she's not she's complaining about censorship in a way that she thinks censorship needs to be accelerated. She it needs to be heightened. It's a, it's a very interesting whistleblower uh, scenario, isn't it? Um, I, I found the meme that I was looking for that I I. I I shared it on Twitter. I will most likely share it within this uh, podcast show notes. You can always go to theconservativehippie.com, uh, click on the episode link. You'll see all the show notes and links. So I'll not only include the video um, uh, earlier where we were talking about the Nisqually quarantine, but I'll share the newspaper article um, that kind of explained what they're dealing with, what the Nisqually tribe has been dealing with from all the people that are calling, trying to investigate this quarantine facility. Um, but but, but for this hypocrisy, I have uh, this meme that I think st- speaks very well over the last five years, and and it's uh, it's a Simpsons meme, and it's got someone thinking, and they're thinking, uh, and it, it they are the left. Is it strange that my interests align with the media, big tech, big government, the wealthy elite, and big pharma? And then they look up and they think, no, that's a coincidence. I'm anti-establishment. And that's that really speaks to what we've been seeing lately as as these government institutions meld with with corporations to institute these policies where we're not quite sure if Biden has put forth a mandate and why the corporations are um, instilling this mandate that's unconstitutional. I think lately people have figured out there is no, there's no mechanism, there is no mandate. It's just the wishes of Joe Biden. It's we've found ourselves, uh, it, and it's funny after um, all of the publicity that Antifa, the anti-fascist movement that I've always said is is more fascist. Um, it, after that, we're actually seeing real fascism in real time. Uh, with all these COVID policies, it's um, it's it's a bizarre time we're living in. How do you think the general public is is viewing all of now that we've kind of had some space and time between the Trump administration and the Biden administration? How do you think the public is grappling? And when I say the public, I mean the normies. How do you think they're grappling with the obvious hypocrisies that are coming out now? Um, I think the the way they're they're dealing with uh, these contradictions is sort of dependent on their individual personalities and I guess their their cultural milieus. So by cultural milieu, I just mean the the uh, associations that they have in their lives. Uh, for many people, their associations sort of determine the kind of person that they are because they they you know they do things that fit in with their particular group, whether it's a, a group of family, a group of friends. Um, so they tend to adopt similar viewpoints to stay uh, cohesive. Um, so I think for some individuals uh, who are, might I say, more independent, uh, 
these contrasts are jarring and shocking. Uh, for others, uh, there are, in my mind, I believe certain slip mechanisms or mental justifications that occur uh, that allow to allow the person to sort of continue on without focusing too much on the contradiction. And the slip mechanisms have to do with the strong belief of a uh, you know, being respected by your peers and uh, not uh, stepping out of line. And so we have two different types of thinking. Uh, we have more independent thinking. And we also have authoritarian thinking. Um, and it appears that the reason our body politic in our country appears to be the way it is uh, has to do with a preference, an overall average preference for authoritarian communal type of thinking. I tell you what, that's pretty scary. That, that's a pretty scary assessment right there, because it, it, what I've been seeing is in the face of more truth and facts and logic that comes out regarding data from uh, our COVID pandemic, it seems that the restrictions continue to ratchet up. So in the face of data coming out and showing whether it's uh, the ineffectiveness of masks or the ineffectiveness of vaccines or even VAERS VigiAccess reporting on the harms of vaccines. In the face of all of that, the restrictions could keep getting ratcheted up. And I wonder just how much longer people can take it, how much longer they can continue with the cognitive dissonance to look away from truth, to continue following these mandates and our supposed um, authoritarian—I mean, how, how else can you say it? Are They're not authorities yeah. on information. They're authoritarian um, uh, uh, bureaucrats. Uh, it, and it's—every it's, it's, time there's more truth, and I, then I see— a ratcheting up of restrictions. It, it, I'm dumbfounded. I, I always think we're one step away from more people waking up, and um, unfortunately, it, it, the mainstream just can. The mainstream media and the mainstream narrative, and whether it's the corporate uh, government narrative, the it just keeps rolling forward. Uh, so much so, I saw a packet of information the other day where where somebody was suggesting. I think this was an Australian, you know, the craziest on the globe. They were suggesting that vaccinated people should get COVID to further protect themselves. It was some strange packet of information I saw. It it is bizarre, and I know more and yeah. more. I know more and more people that are. You know, they they went ahead and they got the double vax, and now they are turning away from the booster. And at that very same time, uh, like, for example, in Israel, they now say that you need the booster to be compliant with their uh, COVID pass, with their vaccine passport. And I, I don't you know, I, I think I know the answer, and that is too many people aren't paying attention. They're worried about the soccer match. They're worried about their television program. Uh, they're getting their news from the mainstream media or little snippets of verified um, access points from the mainstream media. So they're not really seeing it. But at some point, it seems that they're going to have to see. I, uh, do, do, do you, have you thought think, about a breaking think, point? Um... I think they uh, they are largely exposed to the alternative information, the alternative viewpoints, uh, but I think they are sort of shielded from the information in a sense. 
Um, I just want to mention a certain YouTube channel. The channel is called Peak Prosperity. Uh, the person who hosts this channel is named Dr. Martinson. Uh, he's had a recent episode called Mass Psychosis and You. And in that episode, he, just, he tries to describe the situation that we're in as a world uh, from like a 60,000-foot perspective. Um, and really, it seems to come down to human psychology and how our psychological limitations are being harnessed. Um, so you have that aspect, like you mentioned, of a person going about their day and seeing mainstream information in magazines or um, on, on the telly and then having a worldview that's adapted from the, those information sources. But then maybe they'll see a friend at work who mentions an alternative view or somewhere else. Um, so Dr. Martinson mentions that a person can have that experience, but what's really guiding and preventing uh, critical viewpoints from emerging is um, this the process of mass psychosis, which has occurred many times throughout history. It's a situation where an individual uh, has a fear mechanism. So there's some type of element put in that individual's life that's like a focal point for fear. Um, the individual may already have difficulties in their life, which I'll just say are adverse life experiences or or you know some some hang up that the person. Uh, ruminates over and uh, considers uh, as depressing or causing anxiety. And so if you have those two elements, you have a source of fear, and then you have some personal hang-up, uh, what occurs is the person starts to psychologically transfer their inner anxiety um, onto the new focal point, and a, an authoritative source who's able to direct thinking about that new focal point, the new fear, whether it's a pandemic or something else, the authoritative source will feed information that the, the person takes, completely accepts, and sort of sort of imbues their being into as if it's a, a religion of sorts. Um, and this particular phenomena is strengthened by the social bonds of others who have similar feelings to that same fear focal point. To get an entire local society who recognize the fear that's put before them to concentrate on, and they uh, rally together and they start to to do things that skip logic and simply simply tread in the waters of emotion. Though these individuals fear, sorry, these individuals suspect and believe that they are operating in logic. Wow, I I I love that share. That's why. We've got the spirit of Admitos on today. Uh, I'm going to put a link to that video. I'm going to watch that video myself. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Um, thank you again uh, for coming on today. I want to uh, change it up. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back with Chad. Chad, as I'm calling him today. <laughs> This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of Smokin' Jays. Please take the time to visit SmokinJays.com. They have over 2,000 products, from puzzles and posters to pipes and purses. Everything for your smoking lifestyle. Use coupon code HIPPIE at checkout for 15% off your order. Right now, I'm wearing a beautiful sundress I got from Smokin' Jays. 
just visit the link in the show notes. Don't forget, coupon code HIPPIE. That's H-I-P-P-I-E for 15% off and to support this podcast. Okay, so I want to change it up. So I've been driving this conversation with my own uh, consternations regarding the fire hose of information, I, as I put it, uh, going to my head. I came across Spirit of Admitos because we, are, we, we were kind of on these parallel paths of investigation, looking, we, you know, when we're out there in the woo or in the louche, as some people have ca- called it, uh, just taking this, this fire hose of information, you have to look and dig and try to figure out what's real, what's not, contemplate um, what's, what's real, what's not. Um, but in that, what I found interesting is you and I, uh, w- we're almost in different pools. There's so much information out there that there are things that um, I might have come across uh, that you hadn't really paid a lot of attention to, or things that you had come across um, that I hadn't really co- that I hadn't really paid attention to. Um, do you want to tell people about your uh, investigation uh, of Ingersoll Lockwood and where possibly it's at? Have you come to a determination at this point? Do you want to share that story? Uh, yeah. So regarding my current understanding of Ingersoll Lockwood, I would start off by saying that my interest in the subject matter is largely derived from the interest I have also in the idea of there being a military operation to save our country. Um, so this idea is sort of like an, uh, in relation to the QAnon um, meme and oh does that say uh, does that say good does that work does that feel good to say it out loud and to not censor yourself uh yeah it does okay good q anon yes it's derived from q anon go ahead go ahead so i had seen media clips um i mean it's mainstream media clips that uh, seem to indicate there are specialists at different branches of military, some ex-military, who make claims concerning the existence of QAnon or the existence of a military operation to save our country and then possibly the world. Uh, So I was wondering if the Ingersoll Lockwood group was any way affiliated to these alleged military operatives, and was there some type of white hat network of active military and ex-military who are providing breadcrumbs for the public to prepare them for an operation to come. Okay. And so uh, you, you became interested in it. You came across this group. Uh, I guess we don't need to, uh, to go all the way back and figure out how you came across this, but it's basically a, a group, a website, some sort of organization. Now, I know from your videos um, that you went so far as to look into board members and people that founders and people that are associated with this group, and you found some very legitimate uh, former military, also businessmen combined. Now, let's fast forward to real time because they had a very strange clock that was somehow associated with the McAfee Telegram channel. Where are you at right now with your own personal beliefs regarding Ingersoll Lockwood from where you started with curiosity? We're many months into it now. Um, Are they grifters? Are they what you... Um, maybe thought they were in the beginning. W- where are you at with your investigation? 
so at this point, I'm a bit unsure. Um, so looking at how they laid out their more recent posts, uh, it appears that they are a type of information campaign. Uh, the real question that I considered initially was what degree of influence can they have on um, the coming events in our nation or present events? Um, and I, so from what I've studied so far of the group, I'm not really able to determine that they are of enough ability to influence things to make a significant societal change. Uh, at this point, I look at them as an organization uh, forming a political action committee to, through a grassroots method, organize patriots to accomplish change on a larger scale but it's sort of in an early stage. Yeah, I, I really liked yeah. the way that they were trying to set up a, a community and uh, almost like pooling citizens together um, to do things like health care. And, and it was very interesting, the things they were setting up, but very cryptic in the way that they went about it. Um, so I can see where the um, curiosity was. Um, I, during the time you were looking into Ingersoll Lockwood, I've been following Tory of Tory Says um, for quite a while now, and um, she is having a major societal impact. Um, the information she's putting out there is uh, not only further awakening people, but they're banding together now to have uh, a resistance against this author authoritarian control, uh, utilizing the Constitution and our justice system. Um, and it's been incredible to watch as um, someone that also could possibly have been associated with the QAnon movement now in real life as a real person um, out there making such an influence. It's it's kind of amazing to watch. Oh, yes. It, um, I haven't really been following Tori recently. Uh, occasionally, I'll come across repostings uh, on Twitter from one of her followers. Um, I've had mixed feelings about Tori, uh, but overall, I have a positive feeling about her um, intentions. Uh, I think a, a, a key anchor for myself and my beliefs concerning that woman are uh, how she mentioned her training was at, was in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. Um, and she mentioned some, some aspects of like how she was trained. That's a very, that town's like a very important uh, military settlement where um, intelligence operations and in particular um, counterintelligence training occurs. Uh, so really the, the key is for the, contractors and ex-military who put themselves on a the platform to reach the so-called patriot types, are these individuals truly operating for the public good, or are they operating through a more ulterior means to, through psychological warfare tactics, uh, sort of push and manipulate public consensus into certain topics? And so I have to acknowledge that regarding Tori, I don't know what I don't know about her. I never met her personally. Um, but I have like a just intuitive feeling that overall she has good intentions and that she's not there to um, 
just manipulate the masses, but I don't really know for sure. Yeah, I think she is absolutely amazing. Um, I actually just shared on Twitter uh, just today um, the affidavit she filed uh, in Wisconsin uh, as far as election meddling and just her... uh, her dossier as a fact witness and her bona fides as a fact witness um, is incredible. Uh, she's a very smart woman, um, and I, I very much at this point uh, believe that she may have been uh, the director, if not the creator, um, of the QAnon movement, and it's amazing to see the power uh, that she wields. One one of the other things that I thought was uh, very interesting, uh, you you believe a lot in synchronicity, um, and one of the synchronicities I found between your account and my account, or or you yourself and me myself, um, was our uh, interest in Austin Steinbart as uh, associated with QAnon, and it's very much in the same way that I uh, was attracted to Tory very early on. Um, is the same kind of information that they were giving came from that perspective that you were just talking about. This former contractor, this they, they seem to have information that that I I wasn't privy to, and they were giving it in ways that I thought were very interesting. Truth to power, uh, almost you traveled to Arizona to meet uh, the volunteers that were there for uh, Austin Steinbart, which has now become Steinbart Media Group. They actually list you on their website, on the Steinbart Media Group website, um, as an affiliate. Uh, Spirit of Admitos uh, is an affiliate. Uh, Do you want to talk at all about your experience when you went there um, or do you, I, it's almost a difficult conversation to have at this point um, because I've done my own investigations and um, had my own thoughts, and it's been long enough now. I, ha, have your thoughts changed at all regarding Austin Steinbart, uh, let's say, over the past year? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, essentially, with the way I think about things— um, and this this may come out come off as offensive to some. I tend to lump um, Austin Steinbart, Tory, and even Ingersoll Lockwood together as like kind of like one similar subject. Um, and uh, in that lumping of these characters, all in, the, in that type of association, um, uh, basically I would state that my my interest in that subject matter um, is the possibility for good, um, and in some of the promises that are made. From these individuals, um, so each of these were each of these uh, subjects, Austin, Tory, um, Ingersoll, Lockwood, uh, seem to hold the promise of uh, technological innovations that are being suppressed, um, new ways of doing things in terms of politics and in terms of in, uh, information communications technology, um, and uh, that in, in particular with Austin, uh, my interest had developed uh, in with regards to trying to prove. Uh, that he had either some type of advanced technology that allows him to pr- make predictions um, or that he is in any way affiliated with the cue board. Um, so my entire focus is on, can I prove this? Can I prove that Austin is connected to the cue board? Uh, can I prove that Austin is not a black hat? Um, can I prove that Austin uh, is somehow using technology that is beyond our ability to 
understand in order to send communications across time. Uh, so these are the topics I was focusing on in my investigations. And uh, I, I think some of the findings, which I have shown in videos in the past, um, were you know, quite interesting, um, suggesting a deeper story that I couldn't quite get to the bottom of with Austin. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. I mean, there's reason that we have curiosity towards that character, towards Tory, uh, towards the Ingersoll Lockwood organization. Um, it, it is terribly curious and interesting. I uh, I'm right now. Um, I'm out on a limb where where my thinking is is that Tory was managing Austin and that you know if you take a lot of the things that Austin says at face value and truth you know at one point he did say that he was pushed out to uh, become the face or come out as Q of QAnon um, and. Uh, so that implies that there is a group or a person that pushed him out. And a lot of people always theorize that General Flynn um, was a part of that. I don't think General Flynn was a part of that. Um, Tory herself has said that the QAnon movement was hijacked, and it's done. It did its job. It, it, uh, it, it created that spark for the Great Awakening and, and got a lot of people um, curious and interested um, as far as Austin, I, I think the way that he has uh, disappeared out of the scene is interesting. It could be tied to his legal case where the FBI railroaded him and the justice system screwed him, and he has a year probation to serve. And it's possible that he's going to come out after that year probation, which I believe is up in early spring of 2022, and become more vocal again. Um, where I have disappointment with Austin Steinbart and that thread of information, if you will, is the organization that propped up, that came up around him, um, lacked a lot of depth and quality. And uh, whereas Tory has been able to uh, create an organization of people, uh, real people that sparks and uses real people from lawyers to house moms to um, just all kinds of professional folks to advance this great awakening um, resistance to this totalitarian um, creep that's happening to our society. Um, that that's where I've that's where my curiosity. I've almost become more curious about the hows and the whys of the failure of Austin's mission to create Steinbart Media Group than his role within it. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, at this point, I wouldn't characterize Austin's current position as being a failure. Um, I would just say I don't really have enough information to know what's going on with Austin's situation. Um, I guess, yeah, uh, ostensibly, it looks like his potential for influence had been severely limited last uh, fall um, when he had his issue with the courts and had to go uh, to the Florence jail for some time. Uh, but just, just seeing uh, the aftermath, like once he was released and uh, – it, just how things have manifested. It, it appears that largely he's limited just due to the fact that he's no longer able to maintain his YouTube channel. Um, and he's no longer to maintain a presence on Twitter, which are two conduits for getting more followers. 
and it seems that uh, the initial tarring of his reputation that occurred the summer of 2020 by all the so-called Q Pharisees, uh, that, that reputational tarring just sort of lasted and got exacerbated over that last winter. Um, and so it's to a point that even his telegram is quite prevented from having growth because most of his potential followers have sort of had like a specific narrative uh, written for them by all of the detractors. Um, so he's, in, in that sense, he's hidden even on Telegram. Yeah. Okay. When when I say failure, I, you're right. It, it's it's a harsh term. It's a harsh term, and it, the book is still yet to be written. Um, I am not putting the stamp of failure on it at this point. I would say, let me change the word to disappointment. What I saw when when I've um, there are some wonderful people that are a part of SMG, Steinbart Media Group, that went to volunteer. But what I saw was um, the people in the broader group that was selected and what came together that almost created that situation, uh, this frat house situation that that landed Austin in jail for that time, um, was disappointing. I want to use the word disappointing. And so you know, it's. I'm not going to get the 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 answers to my questions um, until I speak to Austin um, and I speak to Tory, and that will come someday for the conservative hippie community. Um, I promise that. Um, but I'm taking a pause at this point, trying to reach out to Austin because uh, you know, just looking peripherally at the people that that were associated with Steinbart Media Group, um, not including yourself, and and and. I'm not casting this blanket over everyone, and I'm not going to disparage one person. But it was, uh, I would say, very disappointing in terms of the quality of people and the quality of information and the quality of work that was there surrounding Austin in his plight, in his mission. Yes, and um, yeah, I will offer a little perspective as, uh, regarding the, the immediate circumstances around Austin that previous summer. Uh, so at that time when I went down to see him, um, I had come to the conclusion that the way things were set up, as you describe it being sort of like a frat party, uh, that's not the way I would have conducted such a serious endeavor if I were somehow charged as, you know, often alleged to help to solidify the Q movement and to get the brain to left in to the Q movement and to galvanize everybody to fight corruption. Uh, from what I've seen uh, being on the premises at that time, uh, there were operational security issues all around. And I think uh, some of those issues, if you have to look at, I guess, the responsible party would have to go up the leadership hierarchy to Austin himself. Uh, he simply made decisions like allowing individuals around him uh, who were doing things that could jeopardize his uh, legal status. And that did occur. Um so, the, so with the reasoning, like why did this occur? Uh, I haven't really come to a good, solid answer, uh, but I suspect there could have been um, factors that are kind of beyond our conventional understanding of you know what happens in social groups. Um, so, our conventional understanding is that you may have a few bad apples in a given group, and the the bad apple will try to stir up controversy and uh, create drama in a group, um, and then that could break the group up ultimately. Um, I'm wondering if there were elements a little bit more exotic, and 
uh, off the beaten path involved, uh, involving uh, what we may describe as mind control um, or, or even possession. Uh, these are topics that are still somewhat taboo, uh, but from this elements of how events transpired, I was left with those questions of like other forces involved to derail, to appear to derail a mission. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know that's a very eloquent way of of explaining uh, my disappointment and and I I do put that at the top so I I do place a responsibility at Austin's shoulders of the people that he brought into his organization and what was created there um, in such um, but and I don't think that like I was saying I do think the the book is yet to be written it's possible um, that. Austin started with Operation Burnback um, and uh, then moved to Operation QAnon, and maybe we're just waiting for uh, Tory uh, to give his op- his next operational orders, or we're waiting to see what operation uh, Austin comes with um, after he's uh, finished his probationary period. We shall see. But from the outside looking in, it's almost as if Austin has... Um, separated himself from his own organization. Uh, You don't see a lot of interviews or um, his personality or packets of information coming from himself. Yeah, that that is the conclusion I come to as well. Um, But from our perspective, uh, we may be limited uh, just in the sense that we're expecting more multimedia posts um, however, he is limited by his probation for making these, any multimedia posts. Um, I think, are there other means by which Austin could express himself to show he's still running Steinbart Media? Uh, he did a short video um, shortly upon leaving the Florence jail in this early spring. Uh, in that short video, he had a dog in his lap, and there was a green screen behind him. And I think the video was potentially effective um, from that, at least from the viral standpoint of um, galvanizing his followers. Uh, but he didn't make any more of those videos. Um, so I, to me, it suggests that perhaps there is more liberty that Austin has access to for his multimedia use than he's letting on, but that he's just simply not doing it, which uh, could be because he's sort of giving up and he's trying to get his media influence to gradually lessen and uh, cease over time to move on to something else. Or uh, it could be some other circumstances, even extraordinary circumstances concerning his true position and things that we're just not allowed to know at this point. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it. I thank you so much for coming on the show and having this discussion. I told you, I told you off air in the beginning uh, that we were going to have a great little chat, um, and I really appreciate you so much. Um, I like your channel. Once again, if you guys want to uh, see a real person, a real truth seeker in real time doing his best at discernment, you can find Spirit of Admetos 
A-D-M-E-T-O-S, Spirit of Admetos, on Odyssey, also on YouTube. But check him out on Odyssey. Um, And that's where you can find his work. And he's got a lot of interaction with people, and uh, I really enjoy him. Oh, also, you are still on Twitter. It's always funny when people like you and I are like, hey, we're still on Twitter. Can you believe that? What is your Twitter handle? Uh, the Twitter handle is at Admitos, the letter L. At Admitos, the letter L. And of course, all of this will be in the show notes. And uh, I will catch you again. I hope to have you on in the future when we're discussing all of the great victories and seeing the picture once all the puzzle pieces have come together. Okay, definitely. Look forward to it. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokeAndJays.com. Everything for your smoking lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.